on today's Murder She Wrote podcast, we're going to be di- I'm going to be discussing a very problematic episode of, with a very sensitive topic of Native Americans. It is it is a very hard episode to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Murder She Wrote podcast, where I watch every single episode of the hit 80s slash 90s show Murder She Wrote, starring three-time Academy Award nominee and six-time Tony Award winner Miss Angela Lansbury. Today I'm going to be talking about season four. Episode 10, Indian Giver, air date, November 29th, 1987. The synopsis reads, a Native American, I'm not going to say Indian, even though I just did, Lays claim to Cabot Cove, throwing the town into chaos when a local with valuable property is found murdered. All signs point to the town's supposed new owner. Okay, guys. So, I, when, when, I, when I did this podcast, I, I made a point that I was not going to skip any episodes, and I'm not going to skip this one. I have to do it in order. Um, there's not a lot of podcasts that do, do Murder, She Wrote in Order, but I do because with my, with the various problems I have, including my ADHD, it's like, I cannot go random, can't do random. Um, and the only other podcast that I know that does it in order, like I do, is Cabaco Confidential. And I literally had to go listen to the, this episode frustrated me so much and made me so mad and confused that I had to go listen to them, to their episode on it, so that they could clarify it for me, because they're always very good. If you don't know what the Cabot Cove Confidential podcast is, they discuss Murder, She Wrote like I do. They do it a little differently. It's Jenny and Damien, and you can find it on Spotify, just like you can find me. Um, and they are really funny, and I had to go listen to their to their episode covering this episode. And then I had to rewatch the episode to get everything straight in my mind. And they bring up so many good points and they put it in perspective for me. So thank you so much, Jenny and Damien for that, because I was lost and confused because I love history. I'm very passionate about history. Like if you listen to the episode murder digs deep, we have this topic in that episode as well. We have a man pretending to be Native American to scare people off of this land. And Robert Vernon was in that episode from the man from Uncle who is trying to get this land because there might be authentic Native American artifacts on it. But it turns out that the wife hired a dude 
to pretend to be Raymond Two Crows and has him steal things from the museum, as well as having Rhoda's husband from Rhoda and the Mary Tyler Moore show put these artifacts that have already been discovered in the at the dig site so that he will buy the land and be gypped or I don't know what the plan was. But that episode kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I know that this is another episode that I don't like, but I'm going to clarify why I did not like the last two episodes that I covered. They literally present Mr. Stone as the one who is stealing Jessica's book idea for his television show. We then get introduced to Mr. Starkey, who is oblivious to what Mr. Stone is doing. Then suddenly the episode shifts its focus from Mr. Stone to Mr. Starkey and literally has every character going after him, wanting to kill him. And it makes no sense that it ends with him being blown up by a bomb. And no explanation is given as to why he was blown up, even when we find out who the murderer is. There is no confession. There is no rhyme or reason given as to why he did it. Then, in Trouble in Eden, we're supposed to believe that this little town in Oregon doesn't have a bookstore, doesn't know who Jessica Fletcher is. There's no pictures of, of Mary Rose in Charlotte's uh, bedroom or even throughout the hotel that everyone just accepts that this is her sister. And... And then throw in the fact that this woman is a madam and it was blackmail and abundance of people in the town and her getting killed made absolutely no sense to me. And I watched those two episodes three times. But this one, this one rubbed me the wrong way for so many reasons. And one of them was, and I'm sorry, spoilers throughout, you know, if you are if you're new here, I spoil everything there is to spoil about the episode of the murder and suspect, everything in between, you know, do the normal things you do, like watch the episode before you listen to me, or go and listen to me and watch the episode, whatever you do, but like I'm not talking about anything in the entertainment industry because this episode really just rubbed me the wrong way. And one of the one of the things is this is another Cabin Cove episode. We're going to ignore everything that happened in all the other Cabot Cove episodes. Including, like, two episodes before this. We had, if it's Thursday, it must be over. The freaking mailman murders a woman because she got the winning lottery ticket. No one's talking about that. No one's talking about the fact that the dude was doing every woman in town in, in Loretta's beauty parlor. It's not even mentioned in this episode. Seth's, like, secretary, Beverly, is not mentioned at all. Like, what the hell, writers? Like, I will I will talk, speaking of writers, there's a writer's strike going on right now. Um, and this has happened before. Apparently Hollywood does not respect writers. And I know it seems that I'm, like, being really mean to writers in this episode, but, um, I'm not. I'm just pointing out the flaws of this episode, because there are a lot of flaws. There's a lot of bad things. And I hope that they resolve the writer's strike peacefully and nicely. Um, and everything gets back on track. I hope that gets resolved soon. And I'm so sorry for people who are suffering through that. 
I hope you get what you want because you probably deserve it. You deserve what you're asking for and you deserve respect because without writers, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have shows. We wouldn't have movies. We wouldn't have the things we have. So there should be respect for them and they deserve the respect that they deserve. Okay. That's all I'm going to say on that. Now back to the episode. Like there's literally no continuity between this episode and all the other episodes that concerns Cabot Cove. Like, you're going to tell me that you're not going to talk about the fact that the town got a new sheriff who used to be the town realtor who literally killed two women over a land dispute and we're doing the same thing in this episode acting like this is new when it's not. We literally had an episode called Joshua Peabody Died Here Possibly where they were trying to make a hotel and they found bones of some ill-forgotten person and the, also the person who was trying to build the hotel gets killed and put into the same place where they found the bones. I mean, and then the Joshua Peabody Inn that's supposed to be on the outskirts of town closed because someone poisoned the strawberry preserves so that she could kill her friend who was cheating, who was with her husband. I mean, we're not going to talk about that. We're seriously not. We're not going to talk about the fact that a woman named Obira Tree was hung in a tree by the local town realtor? Like, are, are you kidding me? But anyway, let's get into the episode. So we start off this episode with an aerial shot of a man dressed in full Native American costume on a horse, look like on a piece of land that is surrounded by grass. I have no idea... Like, if this is the universal backlot, I'm assuming not, because it shows someone's house on this land. And then he's looking at what is supposed to be Cabot Cove on this stretch of land. And my DVD player, literally, like, you know how, like, when movies start and they say, this movie has been formatted to fit your screen? Well, that's what my DVD player does when it comes to certain shows. Not every show is widescreen, but most shows are because it is adjusts to your screen. My TV is widescreen, so I get to watch Murder, She Wrote that way. And I get to notice more details that I might not have noticed when it was just a square. Um, and looking at this supposedly piece of land that is supposed to be Cabot Cove, it doesn't match up what we see in the town. It doesn't. There's like a, a church on the outskirts of town that I don't remember seeing. There's a lot of grass. There's no like sidewalks. The houses are, are sort of spaced apart, not together. So I don't know what we're looking at. So anyway, it's Founders Day. And we all know what happened in season one during Founders Day. There was a freaking killer station wagon being remote controlled, hitting people um, and killing them. And we're not going to talk about that either, I guess. Nope, we're not going to talk about that. So. And uh, the mayor's up there, and the mayor's back after being introduced in uh, obituary for a dead anchor. 
and he's back and he's doing his little speech. He's up there and suddenly these little boys come down the street and they're like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. And everybody turns and looks and there is the guy from the beginning of the episode dressed in full Native American costume with war paint and everything on a horse just comes around the corner and when he comes around the corner he's not holding anything there are two different versions of this scene I noticed because I watched it twice they go like he rounds the corner he's not holding anything and in the Tonight on Murder She Wrote promo that starts the episode he literally just throws this this lance. This lance is what they call it. It looks like a spear to me, but it's a lance. And there's a specific name that goes before you put the lance there, but I can't pronounce it and I ain't going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Because I don't want to mess it up. But he throws this lance, like, but in the thing real quick, and everyone's shocked. However, in the episode... The people turn around, they see him, and then they move out of the way as if they think he's going to walk towards the mayor, toward the podium. And they part like the Red Sea, like Moses, okay, parting the Red Sea. They go on either side, and then no one knows what he's going to do, and then he just throws that lance at the podium. And so it's not really shocking in terms of the way they do it in the actual episode versus the way they do it in the Tonight on Murder, She Wrote promo thing. So he literally throws it into the podium. The mayor grabs his chest like, oh my God, if the podium wasn't here, I would be dead. And he just turns his horse around and rides away. Amos does not get up, goes after him. No one does anything. They just sort of stand there. And then Seth, is, Seth realizes there's a piece of paper on the, on the last thing. And he picks it up and he goes, oh my goodness. Well, this is true. This is bad. And everybody's like, well, what's on the paper? What's going on? Because this is important. No one knows what's on the paper. Remember that. So then we cut to, for some reason, Seth, Amos, and the mayor, Sam, reading the paper in Amos's car. And then they go to the land, and Seth begins reading it, and sa it says, This stretch of land, as far as the eye can see, all the way to the coast, has been granted from the British Army Captain to a native, genuine Native American chief and his ancestors. And Seth says, if this is true, Cabot Cove is in the middle of this land. And so he's, he owns our land or something like this. And according to, according to IMDb, and I'm going to read this for you all, to put this in perspective with what little information because I can't say the name of the tribe I cannot pronounce it and I'm not going to try 
because I don't want to mess it up. Alright? But according to this, the Native American in this story, okay, is betrayed as a certain tribe. And he appears riding into town in full plains Indian headdress. There were no Native Americans in Maine. All the other tribes, there were there were none of this A L G O N Q U I N in Maine, but there was P E N O B S C O T T P A S S A M A Q U O D D Y as well as A B E N A K I and M A L I S E E T, but none of the first I mentioned. It seems like five minutes of research would have provided a more accurate portrayal. In the trivia, it says Bernard White, who plays George Longbow, which we'll get to his name is not Native American. He is of India descent. Okay, so then we go into the trivia more here. And I know you can take this with a grain of salt, but I'm just going off of what it says. Because I could not, you know, when you start doing research, you, you go down a rabbit hole and you find information out that you don't need to know in your quest to get the regular information that you need. But it says... Okay, well, there's nothing in that. So it must be in the goose that I read it. Or in one of the reviews. Someone said in one of the reviews that this would not hold up in court. But we'll go more in the get in the goose to see if there's more information on that. If my internet wants to work today. So, because there's so many things wrong with this, like, number one is, technically, if you want to do, like, a gigantic deep dive of this, and I'm going to say this while I'm waiting for it to go back to the other page, um, technically, our ancestors came to this country because they wanted doesn't hold up in more ways than one but it i'm sure the goofs can go into details so let me see if i can go go into more of these here
Okay, so there's no... Alright, so it was in one of the reviews. Let me find that. I'm so sorry. Alright, so let's see here. Okay, unrealistic. This might be the one. A British grant of land before the United States was formed would not be binding. Even if it were, Cabot Cove residents would still have legal ownership under the docative of adverse per, per, uh, of adverse per possession. Okay, so there are so gigantic in this episode that are so hard to address you guys and in trying to to do the research to try to even understand what they were trying to do is harder than than anything I've ever had to do so they did not do the research to authentically explain this, but this would not work on so many levels. And I don't know how to explain it to, ex to basically explain why it would not work. But again, it goes into what I was saying before. This, this British um, army captain does not have the authority to give any land because this is not his land to give. It had to have been the Indi the Native Americans' chief's land to begin with. But there's more to it. So, so the mayor decides to appoint Jessica and Seth to get to the bottom of it. We get introduced to Professor Crimshaw. Um, they go see him and his daughter, Donna. And they basically say... Um, they basically say, we, we're not sure if this is real. We have to see the actual document to be able to say if it's authentic or not. And they don't have the original document. It's a copy. Okay? So then Jessica suggests, okay, well, our friend, you know, who threw the, la the last earlier obviously has the flair for the dramatic. So why don't we have a town meeting? So during, like everyone's outside during the town meeting, the mayor is talking to the press, which makes no sense because in obituary for a dead anchor, he hated that the press was there. The press had originally came to Cabot Cove because they wanted to talk about how, what a nice little small town it was and how nothing ever happens. Again, continuity, I swear. Um, and the mayor was all for the publicity, but then a boat gets blown up with one of the, with one of the newsmen on it. And he tells Jessica to solve the murder to get them out of the town. 
but he's nonchalantly talking to the reporters and keeps saying, boys, I don't know what's going on any more than you do, but I'll let you know as soon as possible. And there are a bunch of women standing there with these, with these other reporters, and he keeps just going, boys, boys, boys. And that was annoying as hell, but that's not the worst part of this episode. No, we're not even there yet. So in the middle of this, we get introduced to Harris Atwater, who is the uh, land developer, who is trying to get some land to build a freaking hotel. So we have not learned our lesson. Joshua Peabody died here, possibly. We've not learned our lesson and keep the home fries burning. We're seriously, again, trying to create something that is not going to happen. Then we get introduced to Addison Langley, which I'm just going to refer to him as uh, Helen Langley's husband and her brother, Tom. Um, Mr. Langley is drunk and tells Mr. Atwater, I'm just going to call him, I'm just going to call him the land developer because I'm not going to try to remember their names. It's really hard. There's too many people in this episode to remember. Um, the land developer, he's like, I wanted that land for myself. I know that it's going to be good. And he says, well, right now it's all up in the air. We don't know if you own the land or I own the land. So let it go. And his wife, Helen, is like, please don't. Please don't cause a scene. You know, like, leave it alone. Um, and he sort of, like, pushes her and says, don't tell me what to do. Tom says, don't you dare hit my sister. It's all very nonchalant and it feels like two separate stories converged in this episode they started with the native american stuff and they were like no we can't go that far and then let's let's bring this in and it reminded me like cabot cove confidential reminded me of murder in the electric murder in the electric cathedral where there's a domestic violence thing going on in that episode but it's not the focus of the episode. And it's just sort of pushed aside and not explored as much as it should. And in this episode, it comes full circle. As if this was more important than the other issue they've already brought up. And it could have gone, it could have been done in a way that satisfied both storylines. But it's almost as if they didn't know what to do. So we get to the town meeting and it took two watches. But I'm but in the second watch, I noticed the lance that because there's very important things that I want you to remember when I talk about this scene. Because it will tie in later with what I have to say. But we have the lance on a chalkboard in the background of this entire scene. Um, this guy comes walking in wearing a suit, all nonchalant. He clearly does not belong there. Um, he sits down. Everybody has no idea what is on this paper that they're talking about. Because they haven't told them yet. Because they're not sure what's on the paper themselves. That much, I want that to be abundantly clear. 
So literally they're like, Mayor, we do not need all the speeches. We need you to tell us what the hell's going on right now. The dude stands up and basically says, if you all want some information, you should go to the source of that information. You should go to the source of that information. And it's like, I'm sorry, but do they know that that source of the information is you? So he gets up with his briefcase, goes up to the podium and says, hello, everyone. My name is George Longbow. And I have this document that says that a British captain gave this land to a Native American chief. And I am the 11th descendant of this chief. So you are having this meeting on my property. Everybody is immediately upset. And he goes, I'm going to charge you rent. And then Mr. Langley gets up and, and basically says some horrible racist things I'm not going to repeat. One of them was put in a song in Pocahontas. Blank, blank, barely even human. Like, and I was five years old when that movie came out. I was five. I had no idea what that word meant. And, and it wasn't until I went to school and I, I got passionate about history that I was like, oh my God, Disney, I cannot believe you went that far with that. Because Pocahontas is not historically accurate in any way, shape, or form. There are better people that can explain this to you than me. Like, look it up on YouTube. Lindsay Ellis is fantastic with this. Um, just, just beautifully done. Way better than I could ever, ever anticipate to you. She's a good YouTube critic. She doesn't do it anymore, but she used to, and she's great. Wish she would come back. Anyway, so, like, they threaten each other, like, death threats in public, which is very important. But he does not say, he does not say to them, I am the one that threw the lance. I am the one that threw this so that you could see the paper. He does not openly admit that this was him. But we find out later it is, and I, I'll explain. I'll explain. So then we move the action to the mayor's office. The mayor's got a new office because an obituary for a dead anchor, he just had a small, tiny little building with a white picket fence out front. And for some reason in that episode, they didn't show the sheriff's office. They had the jail in the mayor's office. But the mayor's got new digs. And he has a sign out front that looks like it belongs in a bar that says mayor's office. So we get introduced to Norman Edmonds, who will jump into the meeting who owns all the mortgages in town. Okay. The professor's in there and uh, George says, it's so great to meet you, professor. I know your daughter. She helped me with this research. Like she, and he's sort of like surprised by this. So he then hands him the document and he goes, wow, this is amazing. And he says, I found it in my mother's, my late mother's possessions in our house. And he goes, wow, this is amazing. And 
the mayor and and Seth and and Amos and Jessica are like, well, is it is it real? And he goes, well, I have to do all these tests. You know, I have to make sure it's real. Like, I'm not sure. You know, I have to like compare the paper that it was written on, the ink it was written with, all this, et cetera, et cetera. And George goes, oh no, you don't have to do that, Professor. I got I got documents that prove it's authentic. So why didn't you do that first? Why would like why go through the whole song and dance of giving him the document when you know it's authentic already? This doesn't not make any sense. Especially later, what we learn. Later what we learn, it even further makes no sense. So Jessica says, Well, what is your intention? And he goes, I'm going to assess the properties and I'm just gonna have everyone pay two hundred dollars each year and go to the Cabot Cove confidential podcast because Damien goes full blown and explains what this means because and and he there was so much information that my brain could not wrap around to convey to you what he said but pretty much the gist of what I got is this would not work on so many levels because there's property taxes there's there's people are paying mortgages. The bank is going to go under. This is not a good thing. So this is another major, huge, major plot hole that makes no sense. And Mr. Edmonds, the mortgage bank owner, dude, you know, is like, you can't do this. That's not going to work. And the meeting just abruptly ends with nothing being resolved. And the mayor's like, where can we get in touch with you? And he's like, don't worry, I'll get in touch with you. He walks out the door. There are a bunch of guys outside. They start racially, like, being mean to him and getting in his face. So he takes his briefcase and suddenly turns into Bruce Lee and starts hitting him with his briefcase. He also, I'm sorry, backing tracking here, he also tells the owner of the bank slash mortgages in town, he goes, don't threaten me with any lawsuits because I went to how I went to Harvard. So there's nothing you can do to me. And I am so confused. It's like, do you not realize that then this would not hold up in court? And why not just go up to them, show them the document what was the point of throwing the last thing? Like, why? What was the point of that? So anyway, back to him outside, hitting people with his briefcase. Donna comes driving up in her little car, and she goes, come on, George, hurry up. He gets into the car with her, and Seth goes, wow, good thing she happened to come along. She goes, well, that's too much of a coincidence. So then they're driving, and she goes, you betrayed me. You said you were trying to look up your heritage and your roots. Is this what you were doing? And he was like, no, I wasn't looking for this at all. And he was like, I don't want you involved. That's why no one knows where I am. He's like, drive me to my truck. I'm going to go to my hotel that I'm staying at on the outskirts of town. No one knows I'm there. So then we cut to the next day. Um, Jessica's doing her normal walk jog around the town. And she notices that Helen's outside talking to the land developer. He's getting into his little limo. Because, of course, land developers, I guess, are rich. And 
she's going back in her house and Jessica notices she falls to the ground. So she goes over to try to help her. And, and, uh, she asks her if she's okay and why she was talking to the land developer. And she's like, um, he's trying to get this land from my husband. So they go in and she's like, can I get you? And we notice that she has bruises all up her arm. And we know that, that her husband is the town drunk because that's what was shown to us in the previous scene. So Jessica takes her into her house and says, can I get you some tea? And she goes, there's coffee on the stove. We notice that she's redoing her kitchen. The chairs are wet. Um, and says, don't touch. So Jessica sits down and she notices that, that, that this woman has a black eye. And in the scene, she doesn't press her for details. She doesn't force her to basically reveal that her husband's beating her. She, let, she gives her an opportunity to say it herself, but she doesn't say it. Okay? So, she basically gives us a little bit of backstory. She says that Mr. Langley has uh, been a loser his whole life, has never had any ideas that panned out, but this was the one. They thought they were going to get this land. They were going to be able to do something with it. Um, and then here comes along this other land developer who wants it to make a hotel. And it's like, have you all not... Are you all ignoring the fact that you had a freaking realtor who killed two random women for no reason at all because of a land deal gone wrong? What happened to the condo three? Like, seriously, what happened to the condo three? What happened to Mrs. Voorhees, who was part of the condo three? Like, what about them? They wanted to make condos out there with an ocean view. Now you're trying to do a piece of land and put a hotel on it. Like I, I am so confused at this point. Um, and she says it didn't pan out. She also says her husband never came back home, but that's a lie because she was beat up. Who beat her up if her husband wasn't there? So remember that this is important. So Jessica then goes over to the sheriff's office and the reporters are asking her questions. Like why are the reporters there? At this point, there's literally nothing going on, but they're all standing around and she goes, I don't know what's going on. And so she goes like out, like she goes into the, to the sheriff's office and uh, one of the reporter goes, give us something. We have a deadline. And it's like, what? So she goes in and everyone is still confused. And they're like, well, the professor, because I'm sorry, I forgot a scene. The professor goes to his, his daughter's hotel room, which is Hill House of Cabot Cove. And he basically, I guess, is racist because he's like, oh, my God, are you conspiring with Mr. With George, with Mr. Longbow? And she goes, oh, do you want me to say we're lovers? And, and then he gets upset and she goes, listen, dad, we're not lovers. We're just friends. I had no idea that this is what he was doing. Um, I'm so sorry. And then he leaves. He's gotten some sort of phone call to go do research on this topic. Okay. And they still are not sure if the document's authentic or if Mr. Longbow has a claim to this land. They then get a call saying that something is wrong with Mr. Langley. They go to the Freedom 
to the town hall. I almost said Freedom Hall, sorry. To the town hall. And Mr. Langley is dead with the last lasso, the, the spear-looking thing, in his chest in the middle of the room. And everyone assumes because that that's, that's in his chest that he is the one who killed him. But again, like I said earlier, you guys, remember, the freaking lasso thing was on the wall during the town hall meeting. And Jessica does not do her normal, well, anyone could have picked it up bit that she does with most things. Anyone could have picked up the umbrella. Anyone could have picked up the knife and so on and so forth. Um, she doesn't do that. Like, she just accepts it for what it is. But Seth says he was not killed here. There's not enough blood to signify that that's what he was even killed with. So, there's that. Then, you know, there's the fact that Everyone is assuming that it's George. But George never said, I'm the one who threw this. I'm the one who did this. I threw this at the mayor's podium. But it's coming up. It's coming up where I'm going to explain where, where we find out it is him that threw it. Okay? So he's dead. And Jessica immediately, like, Starts to investigate. Seth drops her off at the bank because she wants to go see um, Mr. Edmonds. But he's not there. She runs into the land developer who now has a shot at getting the land. Because she basically says, it's so nice to meet you. He says, it's a pleasure to meet you, Mrs. Fletcher. And she says, well, now you have an opportunity. You know, Mr. Langley's dead. And everyone believes that George killed him. George is claiming he owns the land. And also the person who also claimed he owned the land is also dead. So it looks good for you right now. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. I said it was a pleasure to meet you. Obviously, I spoke in haste. This is 1987, dude. Who the hell says I, I spoke in haste? Who says I spoke in haste? Even in 2023, no one says I spoke in haste. I mean, really? Why would you write that line? Why would you say that line? It makes no sense. So he gets in his car and he drives away. So Jessica then tracks down the mortgage owner person. And he's obsessing a property that some people in Boston have just bought. And he's all excited and says that he offered Professor Crimshaw $50,000 to disprove what Mr. what Mr. Bowman or Longbow, sorry, has claimed. And we're supposed to believe that this is why he's gone off with this phone call and he's gone. And First, when she's trying to talk to him, he goes, go back to your typewriter, Mrs. Fletcher. This is none of your business. Then she goes, you're going to have to talk to somebody. And he comes clean and he says, this will ruin me. 
This will ruin the bank. This will ruin the whole town. So I want this to go away. This is just not right. So then Tom and a bunch of various extras are now looking for Mr. Longbow and they find him. And in this horrible scene, they see him driving his car, his truck, and they literally stalk him enough to where he wrecks his truck. He runs into the woods, falls down, and it is literally absolutely horrible what happens next. They beat him up. They don't show this part, but they beat him up. And then when Jessica is talking to Mr. Edmonds, the truck comes down the street. They beat him up. They have him, his hands tied with rope. And it is absolutely the worst thing I have ever seen. They bring him to the sheriff's office and none of the people that have beat him up get sent to the, the jail. He gets put in jail for no reason at all. Absolutely no reason at all because there is no scene where Amos says he's looking for him. Absolutely no scene where Amos says he's looking for him. It makes absolutely no sense that Amos would put him in jail. Like normally Amos is sort of like the dumb sheriff, like Barney Fife, who is his crimes are constantly getting solved by Jessica. But this is a moment where I'm like, what the hell is happening? Why does he put him in a jail cell? What has he done? There is no evidence linking him to this crime. Although they notice there is sand on him. There is sand on Mr. Langley's body. And there is sand in, in George's truck. But that's it. And then Tom comes in after the rest of them have gone and gives them his possessions and says, well, you can't tell us that we stole from him. And then he says, come on, boys, let's go outside and get our picture taken because we're heroes. And I'm like, what the hell you are? And this is like what pissed me off the most because I'm like, what the hell is happening? What is this guy doing? So then flash forward to um, Jessica goes to the jail to talk to George. And she's like, you are an intelligent man. You obviously did not murder this guy. Do you have an alibi? And he goes, no, I'm staying at the hotel on the outskirts of town. There was no one in the office when I, when I moved there, when I, when I went back there. So no one can verify I was there. And he goes, I never meant to, to hurt the people of this town. I want them to just give me money for a native American scholarship so that native American kids can go to college. What? And you thought throwing the last would get you that attention? And she even says, like, because because she goes, and you thought the way you approached it would be, he said, if I did it the normal way, no one would have listened to me. But you could have killed somebody by throwing that. I mean, what if someone didn't move out of the way? What if it hit someone instead of hitting the podium like you wanted it to? 
Like, how do you think it was going to go? It could have gone really badly, is what I'm saying. So, Jessica, like, Amos takes Jessica aside and says, it's not looking good for him. And she goes, well, I want to search his hotel room. And they have the key to his hotel room. And it's run by a Charlie Peabody, who is off screen, not cast, who is sleeping a lot. And apparently no one ever goes to this hotel. And it's like, was this hotel the Joshua Peabody Inn before? And it's now this? Like, what is it? Like, where did this hotel come from? Whatever, moving on. Um, they look and they find the boots on the floor with sand on the tops and sand inside. But Jessica points out, and I'm going to point out, they're not wearing gloves, by the way. You're, and when they're searching, they discover the headdress he was wearing at the beginning of the episode, which means he is the one that threw the last at the podium at the beginning of the episode. That's what I've been meaning to tell you, but I didn't want to skip ahead because the that's in there. So we know it's him. And that's why it was in there to basically be like, yes, same person. And they're fingering the evidence. They do not have gloves on. They're just going through this dude's stuff. They find these boots. The sand is on the top, inside the shoe, all this other stuff. And Jessica points out there's no sand on the bottom of the shoes. If he was walking around, there would be sand caked on his boots. And there's not. So then Jessica's like, I got this wrapped up. So the killer turns out to be... Da -da 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 -da. Sorry, there's a train. Helen Langley. Because Mr. Langley went looking for Mr. For Mr. Longbow because he didn't want to lose this land and he's drunk. He can't find him. He went on the beach to go look for him. Why he thought he was there, don't know. Um, so he comes home and he starts beating on his wife. She gets scared. She, she grabs a knife and stabs him. Now, this is self-defense. You know, I was totally with her during this whole thing. And then it all goes south. Because she doesn't call the police and say, hey, he was beating me. I didn't know what to do. I grabbed a knife. End of story. Self-defense. 110%. No. She calls Tom. Tom gets the idea that Mr. Langley and Mr. Bowman, Bowwood, Longbow, I'm so sorry, Longbow, um, exchanged death threats. So he comes up with the idea of framing George. And there's no explanation given as to why they decide to do this. But she goes along with it. But before that, I'm so sorry. It's revealed by Professor Crimshaw that in 1918, there was a flu epidemic, a pandemic, where a bunch of the population of the Native Americans died. So there is no descendant of this Indian, of this Native American chief, because all of his descendants died. 
So Mr. Longbow's claim of being a descendant of this Native American chief is fake. And I have so many questions. Like, then is the document fake? Is the whole thing fake? What was he trying to do? What was the point? But anyway, so the land developer gets scared by the murder, decides not to do it, leaves town. Jessica is excited about this. Um, Professor Crimshaw accepts Donna and George dating and decides to uh, accept them, I guess. And then Jessica asks Seth, why have you been so nonchalant about this? And he goes, I rent. I mean, I don't get the point of this. Like, like, and it's like, why would you frame an innocent man who has done you no harm? There are abundance, like there were abundance of witnesses that saw your husband being horrible to you. It would have been self-defense. There would have been no reason to do this. Why would George come into town, throw a freaking Lysa, Lysa at the podium, say that he owns all these people's lands because he wants them to give him money for a scholarship? What the, what the hell? Like, this episode was terrible, you guys. Absolutely terrible. It was a train wreck from beginning to end because it's like, why would you do it that way? Why would you go in that direction? And I am very passionate about, about our history. You know, like, like if you look at the Titanic story and look at our history as a whole, our ancestors came to this country to find a better life. They wanted to be separate from the British. They wanted to have their own rules, their own lives. They came from various countries like, if you look at Titanic's story, which recently happened in April, you had a lot of third-class passengers from various countries coming to America to have a new life. Like, like look up Titanic the Musical and listen to this song. I want to be a place to call my own, a place in America, in America it's better, I've been told. Am I scheming? Am I dreaming? Am I scheming? Because they wanted something, an opportunity, a, a new way of life. That's why they went on the Oregon Trail. I mean, read the Little House on the Prairie books. You will get a full, clear picture of what life was like back then. And this episode does not work. Because what, what were they trying to say? What were they trying to do? It frustrated me so much just so much because I am very passionate about history. I had two wonderful history teachers growing up that made me love history. And I used to watch the history channel a lot when they actually showed history on it. And I loved learning about that stuff. Like I had these awesome history teachers, Mr. Slider and Mr. Stephen Scott Massey. If you're out there, thank you so much. You were, you were fabulous. But the odds of you listening to this podcast are like not in my favor, but, um, I just don't understand why they decided to go in this direction. There was no reason to. And I hope I, 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 I hope I did not offend anyone. 
I, I tried not to crack any jokes about it. I've tried to present the facts as I know them, tried to look up as many things, but I couldn't, you know, there was just too many things. And my brain does not function like everyone else's. I have an ADHD brain. I have development problems. So it's hard for me to obtain information and to remember things. Like I can remember certain things. Like that's why it's hard for me to remember when, it, when there's a repeat guest star. Because it's like I have to watch the episode once or twice to get everything complete to be able to tell you what's going on. And sometimes I forget details. Sometimes I forget that an actor was in another episode because sometimes they're playing a complete and other different character than they did in the previous episode they were in. But it's like this one rubbed me the wrong way because it's like, you can't have an episode like this and not bring up all the other things that has happened in Cabin Cove at this point. I don't know how many murders have happened, but there's been a lot and I just did not get it. Jessica doesn't get the chance to be as intelligent as she normally is. Amos doesn't get to be the bumbling idiot sheriff. Um, Seth and Jessica seem to be the only logical person, people in this episode. And there's so much, there's nobody is good. They're like, George is not even a good person because why would you go about it that way? There was so many different things you could have done to turn the situation around and you made it worse at every turn. And then you're just like, wow, I'm a, I stirred things up, didn't I? Ha ha. And it's like, well, of course, dude, what did you expect was going to happen? You know, like, what is wrong with you? And, like, what what was the point of this episode? I have no idea. But let's go over the guest stars, guys, so we can end this episode. And I want to do a big, huge thank you to the Cabot Cove Confidential Podcast for putting this in perspective for me. You guys are hilarious. You're wonderful. I love you. And... Um, I'm going to continue to do what I do and you continue to do what you do. I'm not anywhere near close to where you guys are. So unfortunately we can't do an episode together because I'm nowhere close to where you guys are, but I love you. You're just good. You're so great. You're funny and you're so great. Um, so let's go over the guest stars here. Theodore, Theodore, uh, B-I-K-E-L play Professor Harold Crimshaw. Let's see if he... He is no longer with us. He died in 2015 at the age of 91. He is known for... If my internet will work. My Fair Lady, 1961. I mean, 1964. The Defiant Ones, 1958. The Enemy Below, 1957. And the African Queen, 1951. Last known credits, The Little Traitor in 2007. He also guest starred in JAG. He was in 155 different projects. Um, oh, and he will appear in season 6, 8, and 11. So this is his first guest starring role. He will be a repeat guest star. So we'll go over more of his guest starring roles once we get to them. Okay. Heidi Bohe. Oh my goodness. I hope I said that right. B-O-H-A-Y. Um, played Donna. And she doesn't have a picture, so I don't think she was in a lot of things. 
she's still with us. She is known for Hotel in 101 episodes. It's Morgan Kendall. I really want to see that show. I wish they would put that on streaming somewhere. Um, Cold Case, um, one episode in 2004. Superstition, 1982. And Heart to Heart, one episode in 1980. She was in 20 different things. Last known credit, um, 2011 in a TV series called The Defenders. Um, oh, she will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote. In season seven. So we'll see more of her guest starring roles once we get there. We will. Of course, Tom Bosley's back as the sheriff. We're not going to go over his guest starring roles or anything yet. Lonnie Chapman played Langley, our murder victim. He looked familiar. I think he's been in an episode before, but I couldn't tell you which one. He died in 2007. At the age of 87. He's known for the birds. 1963. That's why he he uh, looked familiar to me. Reindeer Games. 2000. Which had nothing to do with reindeers. The Cowboys. 1972. And The Haunted. 2003. He was in 170 different projects. Last known credit. The Haunted. In 2003. Um, but for that. NYPD Blue. In 2000. He was in Phantoms. That movie was weird. Um, and yes, he was. He was in another episode of Murder, She Wrote. In Dead Heat as Jack Bowman. There we go. There we go. I remember now. Um, but I forget his character. And he will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in Season 9. So we will go over more of his guest starring roles then. But yes. I recognize him from The Birds. Awesome, awesome movie. Love it. I have that on DVD. Um, Jack, C-O-V, no, C-O-L-V-I-N, played the land developer. He looked familiar to me. Um, he died in 2005 at the age of 73. He's known for Jeremiah Johnson. 1972, The Incredible Hawk in 82 episodes. Child's Play. Yep, that's where I know him from. That's where I know him from, you guys. Child's Play. He plays the doctor that tries to give Andy a shot and gets uh, um, a thing put on his head and he gets electrocuted. Awesome, awesome performance. And also he's known for the TV movie The Incredible Hawk Returns in 1988. Um, last known credit was Birds of a Feather in 1998, and he will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in Season 7. So we'll go over more of his guest starring roles when we get there. Which we will eventually get there, guys, I promise. It's taken me a lot longer than I anticipated, but it's okay, we'll get there. Uh, Gary Lockwood played Tom, who helped his sister... Frame George. So let's go over his guest starring roles. He's still with us, but I don't think he's acting anymore. He's known for 2001, A Space Odyssey, 1968. Uh, Motel Shop. Or no, Model Shop, sorry. It was loading. 1969. Star Trek, the original series, one episode in 1966. And Fire Creek in 1968. 
He was in 95 different credits. Last known credit was in 2020 in something called Unbelievable. Okay. He was in Night of the Scarecrow. Weird movie. Um, uh, oh, he was in him season one, Sudden Death. I don't remember that. I don't remember him being in that episode. Um, he will appear in season seven and season ten. So we'll go over more of his guest starring roles then. Yeah, guys, that was long ago. Um, Richard Paul's back as the mayor. We're not going to go over his guest starring roles because he will be in a bunch of episodes. Jennifer Salt played Helen. She's still with us. She is known for Play It Again, Sam, 1972, American Horror Story, in 71 episodes. So she's still acting. Um, she was in Soap in 65 episodes. She played Eunice Tate and Sisters. So she was in another episode of Murder, She Wrote. Oh, I'm sorry. She's an executive producer for American Horror Story. My bad. Last known credit was, as an actress, was Life Stories in 1990. And then she was in Soap. So no, she was only in this episode of Murder, she wrote. And she got her start in 1964 in a film called Jennifer. Okay, I have a best friend named Jennifer. I love her. Okay, Charles S-I-E-B-E-R-T played the realtor guy. I thought Eve Simpson was the realtor, but I guess I'm wrong. And I recognized him. He was in another episode because he died in 1984, and I'm getting like deja vu. Known for Justice for All 1979. Xenon Warrior Princess, three episodes. Trapper John M.D., 151 episodes. And Coma, 1978. Yes, he was in another episode. Aha, yes. He played the dentist in, who was the killer in Night of the Headless Horseman. So he's back, and he will make another appearance in season 10. Okay. Yep, I knew that. And then last but not least, Bernard White played... George Longbow. He did a good job because I really did not understand the character of George Longbow, but he did a good job portraying him. He's still with us. He will have a birthday on June 8th, so happy birthday, sir. He is known for The Matrix Revolutions, 19 or 2003, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, 2014, The Matrix Reloaded, 20, 2003, and it's kind of a funny story, 2010. He's going to be in an upcoming project. Um, he's been in 120 different things. He's still acting to this very day. I think this is his, probably his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. We're going to do a double check to make sure. Criminal Minds, Beyond Borders. That was good. Grey's Anatomy. The Event. Alvin and the Chipmunks, the sequel. 90210, the reboot, quarantine, weird movie, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, weird show, Heartland, 
Jag. Everybody was on Jag. I need to start watching that show again. Touched by an Angel, The Division, The X-Files, ER, City of Angels, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, don't remember him on there, but he was uncredited, so it's quite possible he might not have been. Um, still looking here. Knott's Landing, 227. This is only episode of Murder, She Wrote, who's on Santa Barbara, Hill Street Blues, Highway to Heaven, first known credits, oh no, was Days of Our Lives, between 1983 and 84. Interesting. So that's, that's it. That's our guest stars, you guys. Because we're not going to do William Window, because we're not to the end of the series yet. But, honestly... If you are a diehard Murder, She Wrote fan, you love this episode, it's totally okay. It's totally fine. Um, but I did not. And this is my opinion. It does not necessarily have to be yours. You, If you like it, you can like it. If you don't, you don't. I hope I did not offend anyone. Um, because I was not going to try to pronounce the Native American tribes. Because I don't want to get them wrong and say them wrong. and Because that would be disrespectful. Um... And I hope that I didn't offend anyone. I seriously don't. I hope that I don't. I hope I didn't offend anyone. I really hope I didn't. Um, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was very hard to talk about. It was very hard to discuss. I'm hoping the next episode will be better. Because what I want you to remember is... This is my first time watching these show these episodes in its entirety. These are my opinions based on my experience watching them. And it does not necessarily have to be yours. And so this is my opinion. You know? And it was not a good episode. They could have gone in many different directions. They could have they could have explored the narrative of like, being afraid you're going to lose the town, like Little House on the Prairie, like I, um, big diehard Little House on the Prairie fans know, they blew up Walnut Grove because this land, this guy comes in, says he owns the land, they don't want to give it up, so they blow up their town so that he can't have their buildings. Um, and that this is what that reminded me of a little bit. And it's like, you know, if you're interested in history, by all means, read it in a book. Go to your local library. Find out as much as possible because it's fun. A whole world will open up to you. You will find out that millions of people built this, built America and wanted to come here for new opportunities for life and stuff. And if you're not having a good time in the country that you live in, you want to come to another country to find a new life and to start all over again. And it's like study that history. Get to know that history because it can't be erased. It Sadly, it happened, and history can be fun to learn. And there are parts of our history that are horrible, that reading about it and learning about it is really hard. But if you get upset about it, that's a good thing, because it shows that you're human. And we have come a long way, but we got a long way to go. Sad but true. Hope you have a great day, night, depending on when you listen to this. When you watch Murder, She Wrote, hope you think of me. And I pray for peace every night before my head hits the pillow. Happy crime solving when you watch an episode of Murder, She Wrote. Um, I hope 
you enjoyed this episode despite the very controversial material in which I had to talk about. And I'll see you all in the next one.